This is the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, July 27th. So the Minnesota Twins were back in action yesterday, and let's just say things did not uh, go very well. They lost 8-7 to against the Seattle Mariners. They dropped the series, but they did go 4-2 and on the homestand. So a 4-2 and homestand, a 5-2 and road trip. Uh, that's still a pretty good record. They're nine and four since the All Star break. Not necessarily the best record in baseball anymore since that time, but still a good run gets them back into place. And now they have a weekend series against Kansas City. Go win at least two out of three against the Royals, and let's figure things out after that. Now we'll kind of just see how things play out. The trade deadline is starting to heat up a little bit. The big news in Major League Baseball is that. Shohei Otani has is not going to be traded. The best player in baseball, possibly, probably, of all time, is not going to be traded. He's going to stay with the Angels, and the Angels are competing, actually. They're buying at the trade deadline, not selling, because they went all in and traded for Lucas Giolito, the White Sox starting pitcher who's given the Twins a whole heck of a lot of fits throughout his time in the south side of Chicago. So seeing him go in an Angels uniform is a welcome sight, but the Twins do play the Angels in late September. Uh, either way, uh, so th- there's been some moves across baseball. There's been some minor trades here and there. The Guardians traded for starting pitcher Noah Syndergaard from the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, and there's a couple other moves here and there. The Twins have also gotten into the trade mix, but uh, really, uh, do they need a starting pitcher? Probably not, considering their rotation is still good. But Joe Ryan has been flubbing as of late. He's been giving up a lot of home runs. And here's what Rocco Baldelli had to say about his starting pitcher. That was a long outing. You know, I don't know how many uh, innings or outs Joe ended up going, but he had to work very hard. There were a ton of foul balls. He had to throw a lot of pitches. And, you know, it never felt like anything was easy it just it was all hard and um that happens i mean it's not like he was out there walking everybody and that's why his pitch count was high i don't how many walks two walks i mean it's not walks it's just you know finishing at bats and uh he had to work very hard that's why i mean he was he threw a lot of pitches that last inning and uh uh, we just had to get him out of there yeah, there's manager Rocco Baldelli talking about Joe Ryan. Gave up a lot of home runs, gave up a lot of runs. Twins lose 8-7. to seven. The one thing you could say, oh, the starting pitching is regressing. That's not good. And maybe they are. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak on behalf of that. But one thing is the offense is starting to pick itself up a little bit, and you've been seeing it through guys like Ed Julian, Alex Kirloff, Max Kepler. Those guys have been hitting, gotten some timely hits from Carlos Correa, although not as many, obviously, as we all would like. Uh, but we're also seeing it come from another young, left-handed hitting corner outfielder. His name is Matt Walner. Swung on hit well into right field. Might have a chance. Get up, get up, and out of here. Matt Walner. With his third of the year, and a Twins trail, 4-3. That ball's hit well into right left field, and that ball's going to look up, and that's gone. Matt Walner showing some power. Opposite way, upper deck. Wow. Walner's second of the game, first career two-homer game for Matt Walner.
Matt Wallner had himself a pretty darn good game, as you just heard Dan Gladden on the radio call. Uh, Two-homer game, and that second home run he hit deep into the left center field gap. Uh, it was in the second deck right above the bullpen, and not a lot of people get to that spot in the ballpark, and especially not a lot of right-handed hitter or left-handed hitters, excuse me, hitting it into left center field like that. So again, Matt Wallner starting to flash a little bit. The Twins lineup showing just a little bit of life. Now again, the strikeouts are still high. You still obviously don't want that, but at the same time, you are starting to see uh, a little bit more of the the runs come across. And when you see more of the runs come across, you can start to look the other way on the strikeouts. Obviously, they're not ideal. But when you're scoring runs, you're kind of like, well, I'm not going to argue with results. And that's kind of where the Twins are at right now. Now, speaking of the trade deadline, the Twins did make a couple trades, or, well, really just one trade, but it's going to be the start of a couple trades. And that was trading relief pitcher, Jorge Lopez, not to be confused with starting pitcher Pablo Lopez. Jorge Lopez, who was in the Twins' bullpen, the Twins traded for him to be their closer at last year's trade deadline, and now the Twins are getting him out of here. They're shipping him to Miami in exchange for Dylan Floro. And who the heck is Dylan Floro? He's just the guy. He's just a random relief pitcher that the Twins got. He's bounced around from the Cubs, the Dodgers. Think he had some time with the Braves. Uh, he's been a, with a few different organizations in Major League Baseball. If you want to know a little bit more about Dylan Floro, the new Twins bullpen arm that they just got, he's not going to be a closer. He's not necessarily a high leverage type role, or at least he likely won't be put in that right away. He's probably going to slot, if you were to put the Twins bullpen hierarchy, there's Yoan Duran, who's one and above, then you have Griffin Jacks, and when they come back, Caleb Thielbar, Brock Stewart, kind of in, maybe flip that. And then you could maybe get to Dylan Floro, and you have your Belazoviks, and you have your Pagans, and your Morans. That's kind of where the Twins' bullpen is shaking out. And then your Josh Winder somewhere in there as well. So he's not necessarily a top end, but he's not a, a bum necessarily. Uh, but he, he's got some saves in his career, so that is something to his credit. He he has pitched in high leverage innings. I don't know if necessarily that's the role the Twins are going to use him in as a high leverage exclusive reliever, but is he an upgrade from Jorge Lopez? Probably. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of high velocity. He doesn't throw the ball 101 like Duran does. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of spin rate. He doesn't necessarily have wicked movement on his pitches, but he keeps the ball in the ballpark. In 317 career innings pitched, he's only given up 18 home runs, which is really good. And he's only given up two home runs all season long. He has a sneaky, decent stat called fielding independent pitching. And basically what it says, it's just kind of a way to tell how good you've been pitching to try and factor out, you know, if you have a good defense or a bad defense. And it's a way just to kind of figure how well the pitcher specifically has been pitching. Uh, he has a five, he has a four and a half ERA. So that's high for a reliever. Uh, but the sneaky, decent 2.78 FIP. Around, If you have like a FIP of under three, you're, you're sitting pretty good. I know it's a new stat. Not everybody quite understands it. But uh, in 39 and two-thirds innings, he has a four-and-a-half ERA. But basically what the FIP says is, yeah, the ERA is high, but he's pitching better than that. Like, like expect him. ERA is 
a showing of past results and like, hey, in the past, he averages this many runs per nine innings. And what Phipps says is, okay, well, like, here's projecting forward. Like, based on his numbers, we think he's actually going to get better. We think that he hasn't been pitching as bad as what the the as what the kind of uh, uh, stats show, the recording stats show or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's escaping me uh, right now. So that is... Dylan Floro. Now, what does this say about the Jorge Lopez trade? Because I think the Twins basically are just waving the white flag. They're taking, as the kids say, the L on this one. They're done. They don't, they're like, we're not going to get anything out of Jorge Lopez. Uh, he was brought in to be the closer. The Twins gave up Yanir Cano, who was a, he was just a random guy in the Twins bullpen, but became an all-star in Baltimore's bullpen. Credit to Cano and credit to the Orioles. But the Twins also gave up a prospect called Cade Povich, a starting pitching prospect, and I believe one other random minor leaguer in the deal. So the Twins basically lit those prospects on fire. Not necessarily that all of them are going to be dominant forces for years to come, but just to say that you lit those prospects on fire and you don't get to use them in a trade for somebody else, you don't get to use them for yourself. Uh, And basically all you got back is Dylan Floro in the deal. Uh, which is not something that the Twins probably would have did. So the Twins are taking the L on this trade, but I do give them credit for just admitting that they lost, and sometimes that, I think, can be their weakness when you talk about Emilio Pagan and when you talk about some of these other players that they have, or it's like, just move on. Like, move on from them. What are you holding on to these guys for? So good on the Twins for just getting rid of Jorge Lopez and ripping the Band-Aid off and just giving him a change of scenery. And all the best to Jorge Lopez. He had some, you know, mental health issues he needed to work out. He missed some time this year. Uh, He's got a kid who's very, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, deathly sick is the right word, but very sick. Uh, or has like a very chronic condition, and they go to Miami a lot for treatment. So for him to go down there, and and all the best to Jorge Lopez, it just didn't work in Minnesota. The expectations were too high for him, and he likely was never really good enough to meet those expectations. Um, But Dylan Floro is a guy the Twins can use. They still are going to get more bullpen pieces, though, because you essentially just swapped out one bad arm for a semi-decent arm, but you're going to need more. You're going to need at least one more bullpen arm, preferably a left-handed pitcher. We'll see if the Twins go that route. We'll see if the Twins go more the route of getting a right-handed hitter. Uh, but again, I think as the series in Se- against Seattle showed us with the bullpen implosions that the Twins need more help in the bullpen. And I know Caleb Thielbar and Brock Stewart are making their way back and they'll be, I think Caleb Thielbar is going to travel to Kansas city. And then I think Brock Stewart is going to start a rehab assignment soon in the minors, but you're going to, you're going to, excuse me, need more help uh, in all of this because it is just, uh, it's not going to be good if you can't, if you can't figure this out. So uh, that's the deal with the twins. Let's take a look now at the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins at training camp talking about uh, his old pal, Harrison Smith. Here's a, just a funny quote I found. What do you like to eat? And he said, I'll just put like shredded cheese on a plate and microwave it, and then I'll just eat it. And this was years ago. This was a few years ago, but I'm like, I've never done that, you know? So, uh, and he would probably deny that, or I probably got that wrong, but that just gives you a hint into some of the stuff where you're like, really? Okay. It's pretty good for a world-class athlete, so he's got a few deals, but it works for him. And I think part of what works for him is that he knows he knows what works, and he's not gonna try to reinvent himself. 
Yeah, there's Kirk Cousins talking about Harrison Smith, who just, I guess, likes to melt cheese in the microwave and eat it. I guess not even any chips on it. So that's a little, uh, that's a little weird. Uh, anyway, Vikings started their first full uh, training camp practice yesterday. They're going to continue practice today. First preseason game, uh, August 10th against the Seattle Seahawks. But uh, up until then, the kind of the big storyline early in training camp, don't hold too much stock into highlights you see or bad plays you see uh, early in training camp. Everybody's trying to get their feet wet and get their feet underneath them and and just get ready for the season. Uh, There is one thing, though, that you can track early in training camp, and that's extensions. Contract extensions typically happen early in training camp, and the reason that they happen early in training camp is because players want to get them done before they get hurt, and teams want to get them done uh, as soon as possible just to get the cloud over their head and to make sure that they kind of have some good PR early in training camp. TJ Hawkinson, Daniil Hunter, Justin Jefferson are the three guys who want extensions. Daniil Hunter showed up to camp. Will he get an extension? That remains to be seen. Uh, TJ Hawkinson should definitely get an extension. He's Kirk Cousins' number two target and definitely number one red zone target. And Justin Jefferson, of course, should get an extension because he's Justin Jefferson. But what is the hierarchy that you put them that? I would say Justin Jefferson, obviously, far and away, you make sure he's extended first although he still has a whole nother year, and then one until he becomes a free agent. So Justin Jefferson still has two more years in Minnesota before he becomes a free agent. So it's not necessarily at the forefront like this needs to happen today, but it's something that probably should happen just to get it out and done and move on. Uh, But TJ Hawkinson is number two, but if you're going to rank it based on this offseason, yeah, you should probably re-sign Hawkinson. Uh, And then there's Daniil Hunter, who maybe is the interesting domino, and you could make a case for him being at number one in the sense of, well, if they know what they're doing with Daniil Hunter, it kind of helps the other dominoes fall. If they commit to Daniil Hunter, then they have to kind of finagle salary cap because they're going to have to extend Jefferson and Hawkinson. Because I believe that the Vikings will extend Jefferson and Hawkinson at some point. For sure, Jefferson. I'm like 85% sure on Hawkinson, and it's like a 50-50 coin flip on what they do with Daniil Hunter. But that's kind of where the Vikings sit with their extensions. I would rank Jefferson, Hawkinson, Hunter in terms of extensions priority as a player. In terms of like uh in terms of more just probably practicality logistically, you probably want to make sure you get a Hunter extension or at least figure out Hunter first, then get to Hawkinson and then you can break the piggy bank for Justin Jefferson. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, July 27th.